Hey, hey, everybody. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. And we have an exciting episode for you. What an episode. What episode was this, 57? This was 57. Jeez Louise, so much happened. I love it. See, you remember when I was getting frustrated with the Grace and Faith shit because yeah. it was going on for a very, very long time and nothing was happening? Yes. This is why. Because this is how it's supposed it's supposed to go. Like, there's a little bit of draw out and then something, at least something happens. So now I understand it because for the first 50 episodes, I just thought that's how this soap opera worked. I just thought this was the pace because that's what they had set up. It had always been really slow going. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, I guess this is just how the show operates. Yes, it is slow, but it some things have to happen. Yeah. You know, like something has to happen. Otherwise people lose, you lose interest in the show. You know yeah. what I mean? But things are really starting to heat up and I love it. Really starting to heat up in our apartment because it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. I loved this episode. Ooh, three words. Luis Lopez Fitzgerald. Oh my God. Oh that my God. Fine. Fine as hell. I mean, really. What a man. What a How dish. How dare he? What a dish. Put a fork in that man, because he, he is, is done. He's all done. <laughs> so, let's get into this episode. Let's do it. It opens at the youth center, where Sheridan is at her first day of work, right? Yes. And she's trying to get that red paint off of her hands. Remember, they had just painted the door, and she pushed the door open with two hands like a toddler, <laughs> instead of using the knob and so she has red paint all over her hands so she's in this storeroom desperately out out damn spot desperately (laughs) trying to get the paint off of her hands and she's just going sheridan you've got to be stronger you've got to take control of your life no one can ever find out about this and also would it have been so difficult for him to put up a wet paint sign yeah she says (laughs) that and she says no one can ever find out about it and then Luis overhears that, which normally people don't really hear Luis the things it. they're supposed to hear in yeah. these shows. Like Luis always hears like it. so many. There's been so many times where Kay has said something so heinous, and mm. Miguel has walked in on the tail end of it and didn't question it. You yeah. know what I mean? But no, he was like, "What? What can't people find out about?" Yeah. Well, Miguel's not as perceptive as his older brother Luis. No. He's still a child. He's still a boy. So he overhears her saying that no one can ever find out. And she yells at him. They Then they go into their, like, dynamic of yelling at each other. Yeah. She yells at him, for basically for eavesdropping on her. You're already monitoring my every move. Do you have to monitor my every word now, too? <laughs> and he accuses her of hiding something. Uh, what is it that you're trying to keep from me? What is it that you're ashamed of? What is it that you don't want me to find out? And she goes, well, and she thinks on her feet, and the best she can come up with is, I don't want my friends to find out that I'm doing time here. <laughs> yeah, she's like, they can't find out that my family couldn't even get me out of any punishment for something so trivial. Sheridan, it wasn't trivial. It wasn't trivial at all. And, like, she meant those words. Like, yeah, Yeah. she said that to cover up what she is really hiding, but she meant what she said. She really thinks what she did was trivial. She's not embarrassed, I don't think, about being at the youth center. I think she wants to help out. But she doesn't believe that the sentence makes any sense. Yeah. Because she doesn't think she did anything wrong. She doesn't think and she did. And therein lies the problem. Yeah. And Louise says to her, you are you know what blows my mind? You're not even embarrassed about being a snob. Mm. I wrote that one down too. Because it was good. It, it was, was right. It was, it was yeah. spot on. And Absolutely. So then they argue some more about her secret. And I have to say, she calls him the best name of all time. What? She couldn't really come up with like a comeback. So she says... Well, whatever Mr. Policeman slash Good Samaritan Youth Center director. (laughs) As if that's like an insult. An insult. It's like all great things. That's the best she could do. Whatever Mr. Pillar of the community. Yeah. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Also, her hair is terrible in this episode. Oh, it's really rough. Especially in this very first scene in this little back room area. Really, really. It looks like, um, what's the name of the, the Gosling you know, there or Gosling, Ryan Gosling. No, there was this parent, this uh, this family that had like octuplets. 
Oh, oh, the gosling. Oh, Kate plus eight. Kate plus eight. Oh, yeah. Her oh, hair yeah. Her hair looks like, looks like Kate. Kate plus eight. Mm-hmm. Kate plus eight. It used to be, it was John and Kate plus eight, and then they got divorced, so then it was just Kate plus eight, because Fuck. John plus eight doesn't work. So, anyway, that's what Sheridan's hair looks like. Sheridan looks like Kate from John and Kate plus eight, <laughs> if you remember that show. So, they argue, as they do, about her secret, and she says she doesn't have a secret, and he says his gut's telling him that she does have a secret, and she's like, well then, just you, you're gonna be really sorry one day, like, go ahead and waste your time on this. <laughs> she's really bluffing well. She, yeah. she bluffs pretty well. She does a much better job than Whitney. Oh, yeah. Uh, or Teresa, really. Yeah. I, I bet Sheridan is a good poker player. Yeah. She's got a, she's got a good poker face. Mm-hmm. Whatever. They finish their argument, and Luis later in the day is playing some basketball with uh, kids at the youth center and Sheridan's, you know, walking around cleaning up, doing her job. And she, like, makes a half-ass attempt at getting his attention to be like, oh, do you mind if I get a coffee? But she doesn't really try. So she just basically walks out of her job. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, whatever, they won't, he won't notice I'm gone. They won't miss me. So she leaves and immediately Luis notices. He's like, where the fuck is Sheridan? It's like, oh. Uh, incredible. She can't even make it through a half day of work. Yeah. It's like she can't work a four hour shift. So we follow Sheridan next door to the book cafe where she goes to get a coffee. She goes to get a coffee and she sees Beth and she's, she goes, Beth, right? And Beth's like, yeah, hi, how are you doing? After, you know, the after other the, night at the lobster shack. The box incident. Yeah. Well, after all of that. And so they kind of discuss their trauma in a way. Like, yeah. Beth? for whatever reason, just unloads her trauma onto Sheridan. She's like, I get it. I'm claustrophobic. Ever since my brother locked me in a, like a closet or something, she's like, I can't even get on elevators. (laughs) And she's like, but I read this book about childhood trauma. Maybe you should check it out. And she like suggests this book to her. That's called what? Getting Past Your Past. Getting Past Your Past. Which is an amazing title. Also, once... Louise sees her with the book. Like, that's just going to be more ammunition for him to that's say true. you've got a secret in your past that you're trying to hide. That's a good point. I did love that Beth was very heavy-handed about it all. She's like, isn't it strange how things that happen to us as kids can affect us our whole lives? As adults? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So Sheridan tries to be like, oh, that might be a good book for my friend. <laughs> and it's like, it's Beth is obviously like, trying to be real with you and she just told you about her trauma and she witnessed your own and she's trying to like bond and help you and yeah extend like a helping hand why can't you accept it yeah that might be good for my friend he has been telling me a lot about his childhood trauma recently he He. is definitely not me because i'm a woman (laughs) good one sheridan (laughs) no one will ever suspect (laughs) (laughs) So she goes to check out, find the book in the book cafe, and Beth goes to make her coffee and everything. So Sheridan's sitting down reading this book, and Louise comes in. Because he can't get through a half day of work either. Louise comes in and starts coffee. He starts loudly talking mad shit about Sheridan. (laughs) Mad shit. I mean, so loud (laughs) that everybody in this fucking cafe could hear it. Yeah. And Beth, because he immediately starts talking to, unloading on Beth. And Beth keeps trying to be like, Luis? Like, she literally is like, Luis. And he, like, just runs it down. She, yeah. He's just like, Sheridan this, Sheridan that. She's a snob. She can't, you know, basically everything She's that we've lazy. Said. She's, She's lazy. She's entitled. She's just one of those cranes. Yeah. And he, I mean, laying in. And yeah. Sheridan overhe- can overhear, obviously, and is, like, looking. But he doesn't know that Sheridan is there. Yeah. And, like you said, Beth keeps trying to, like, nudge him, like, Hey, man, be cool. She's right over there. Hey, <laughs> Louise, shut the fuck up. Louise. But yeah. Louise, his head is filled with Sheridan, and that's yeah. all he can talk about right now. And mm-hmm. so he gets his coffee and he leaves. And then Sheridan comes over to the, the counter to get her coffee. And Beth, like, apologizes for for him and says, yeah. you know, Luis really is a great guy. And Sharon's like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> yeah. She kind of makes some excuses for Luis where she's like, you know, he's just got a lot on his plate. You know, he doesn't, he's just not thinking about what it is that he's saying and all this other stuff. And Sheridan stops her and says, look, Luis hates everyone with the last name Crane, doesn't he? 
Because that's what this is about, really. And Beth, you know, is like, she still tries to defend Luis. <laughs> and Sheridan's like, look, most people make opinions based on my family's money and power. So I understand where Luis is coming from. And Beth's like, no, but that's not Luis. He's really not a bad guy. For whatever reason, this is just, you know, got him up in arms. Yeah. Well, and Sheridan even says, you're right, you know, that's not who Luis is. Like, he's not a person who is after me because of my money, but he does have an issue with the, the cranes. Yeah. I don't know. They have, like, a weird... She has, like, a weird moment where she seems to realize he's different from every man she's ever met, mm-hmm. but she hates him, you know? Well, I think it's that thing where, you know, what you get used to makes you feel comfortable not because it's good but just because it's it's your normal you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. and so Luis is way outside of her normal and it makes her uncomfortable even though he is a good guy you know what i mean yeah so i think that's kind of what she's grappling with oh lord so she goes back to the youth center (laughs) and she had forgotten to get some sugar for her coffee somehow i whatever and so she's looking through the drawers in this storeroom or whatever. And for whatever reason, she's just like, where does this taskmaster keep the sugar? And so she's just like rifling through things. And then she opens a random door as if that's where the sugar's going to be. And she is and right. The right. sugar <laughs> is there. The sugar is the hot, <laughs> the sticky sugar. sugar. She opens that door to some, some sugar on me. She opens that door to some hot Sweet, sticky sugar. Mm. Luis Lopez Fitzgerald is fully nude. Nude. <laughs> nude. Nude. Okay? And glistening. Because he is in the shower. Well, he's, he's, gotten, out he's of just the shower. gotten out of the shower. That man is fine. We rewound it. I was like, <laughs> stop, pause. I have to go back. I was Look, screaming. I have no problem with this, like, stay-at-home mom porn, because yes, they, they like, it. they started at the toes, yep. they went all the way up, and then back down. Hit his face. He, he gave a little smile. Oh, so good. He gave that a- man must eat chicken all day and in the gym. Nothing like, but protein. He is so fit. Oof. Oh my God! What a man! What a man! What a man! What a mighty good man! Mighty mighty good man! Oh, I love him. I love him. And Sheridan's face. Oh yes, she was shooketh as we were. Her (laughs) face was my face. My jaw dropped. (laughs) Dropped. Dropped. Because like once she opened the door and the camera started spanning, I was like, "Here we go." Yep. Oh, my God. She's going to find Luis behind that door. Ooh. What's behind door number one? I'll take door number one, Alex. I will take <laughs> I will take the prize behind the door. Thank you. Oh, my God. That man is so goddamn fine. <laughs> I'm fanning myself. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Mm, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't make this any sense. Like, no. <laughs> I don't mean this, the plot. I mean how attractive he is. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense that, like... That DNA could be arranged in that order no. to create this Adonis That's, of a human. I feel that way about certain men where I'm just like, this should be illegal. Like, you, <laughs> sh- it should be illegal for you to be this damn fine. Jason Momoa, Henry Cavill, mm. Morris Chestnut. These oh, men, yeah. these are men. These are men. These are men. <laughs> these are men. They're men Chris men. Hemsworth. Yes. He's fine, too. Yeah, he really is. I mean, I know we're As just- Thor. Yeah. I mean, outside of Thor, he's just good looking. He is very good looking. Now, let's now just start just a Hot Men podcast. <laughs> the Hot Men podcast. That's what this is You know now. who would not be on the Hot Men podcast? Hank. Frank. Hank, Frank. Hank and Frank. Hank and Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Hank and Frank, neither of them. Oh, God. Keep them far, far away. Hank and Frank. <laughs> them in like the best odd couple situation <laughs> where, oh my god they are such a where, odd couple too hank is like doing all these like criminal activities and trying to keep it on the dl and lomax is like we've come up with a spinoff <laughs> chasing after him he's a pi who's chasing after his own roommate but he's not good so he can't figure it out <laughs> he can't figure out his own roommate is the <laughs> Hank and Frank. He's the criminal. <laughs> oh, we should 
you know what? I'm going to make a little series on TikTok. You know Frank. We'll go down to the potato crate and, yes, write, yes. and write our new screenplay, Hank Frank. At the potato crate. Over, over a nice bowl of boiled potatoes. <laughs> Why is this so funny to me? <laughs> I have tears coming out of my eyes. I'm laughing so hard. All right, we got to move on. This has gone on long enough. No, but it's hilarious. It's fantastic. I oh, love it. Oh, should we? Let's, uh, let's, that's all that let's happens Let's get serious there. and go yeah. to the hospital. Yes, okay. So that's all that happens at the youth center. We leave Sheridan a gag, a gog, oh. a gape, just like <laughs> at this man. Oh. So let's move on to the Harmony Hospital okay. where I took all of two notes because, honey, I was distracted by the other things happening in this show today. I Yeah. I really was. Every time they pa- went to the hospital, I was in the middle of finishing notes on the scene before. Mm-hmm. So literally, I just wrote, Charity has moved, so they think she might be waking up. But Charity codes while Eve is examining her. Mm-hmm. That's all I wrote. Yeah, okay. So, and then they stabilize her. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good rundown. But let's, let's get into it a <laughs> little bit more. So... <sighs> Charity's at the hospital. Eve is looking after her. And I think Sam, Grace, and Miguel are there, right? And Kay. Kay. Yeah. So Mm. Simone comes in with flowers because she's bringing flowers for Charity because Simone is so sweet and She's a good person. She's a good person. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. She's a decent person. She comes in and Grace and Kay kind of deliver good-ish news, I guess. They're like, you know, Charity... We think that she might be coming to, like, people are starting to notice signs that, you know, she's stable, things are looking good. And Grace thanks her daughter and Simone for their support. So Miguel comes into this conversation, and Eve then kicks everybody out so she can do a proper examination, um, which then leads to charity crashing. So code blue, code blue. Miguel looks down at his lucky charm, because remember, he's going to bring that little, little golden bear charm mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's like, we will get our miracle. And then... It happens, and I guess they are able to stabilize her. Yeah, they stabilize her. I think they're just trying to bring in a little bit of the religion and a little bit of, like, the paranormal oh, okay. stuff just to mm-hmm. remind us that it is still there, mm-hmm. because otherwise it's it's absent in this episode, which is fine. And so then Eve comes out and kind of explains what's going on. They were able to stabilize Charity. Everything's going to be okay as far as she can see, but she has gone through a lot of trauma physically. Um, And they just need to rally around her, basically. Grace is like, I think it's really important that you're here, Miguel, because Charity will wake up to see the face of the boy who saved her. Mm -hmm. And Sam is like, you know, last week Miguel was a boy, but after this brave act, Miguel is a man. Now he is a man. (laughs) I just thought that was silly. It was very, it was very manly of him to like run into that house, that burning house. None of the other men out there did it. Nope. Not even the fire chief who should have done it yeah so sam then tells grace and miguel basically that he's worried that he has like a full-blown like search party out looking like he's mobilized the police they're out searching for faith but he hasn't gotten any word that they found her Mm -hmm. and so grace is like well if she escaped why hasn't she contacted me why hasn't she reached out? Why hasn't there been a phone call? And Sam is convinced that she perished in the fire. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced, Latara. Yeah, I mean, look, like I told you before, I don't remember Faith. Yeah. I remember this twinship, but I went years watching this show, and I, I don't remember Faith. I don't. I just, I just, so I don't know if she died, but I also don't know if she ever comes back. I wonder if maybe they're just keeping it open-ended as like an option that they can return Mm, to and mm -hmm. be like, oh, she escaped, but she lost her memory, just like Grace lost her memory in the fire, and that's why she didn't contact them, or if, and maybe she'll like show up in the very last season. Yeah. Or if they're just going to be like find other things to do and so they just won't return to it and we'll just assume that she died in the fire like grace and sam end up having like a whole other big storyline mm-hmm. and i just i just don't remember faith ever coming back but yeah i think so ma- that makes sense that maybe they wrote it that way so it was like if we want to come back to this we can yeah but i don't think they ever did i don't Maybe they did, and I just don't remember. It's been I years. Know. I mean, it's been years since I watched it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Faith is probably dead. 
Yeah, I mean, Sam is convinced. Sam is like, Faith most likely died in the fire. He doesn't say that because that would be insensitive to say it that way. But, but they gather and decide that basically this group has to be really strong for charity because regardless of exactly what happened to Faith, she's not there. And this is the only family that charity has. And yeah. so they need to, you know, support her and love her and welcome her into their, into their family. No. Let's talk about how Miguel has a thumb ring. <laughs> <laughs> Laura noticed Miguel's thumb ring. He's got, and it's pretty thick it's too. Thin, it's not like, even yeah. like a thin thing. It's like a half inch thick. It looks like a man's wedding band, but it's on his thumb. It's even thicker than that, though. I don't know. It was, it was wide. It was like a whole knuckle. Yeah, it was wide. It, yeah, it came from like the base of his thumb up to the knuckle. Yeah, basically. Yeah, he had an ugly thumb he ring. He has like a, a knuckle duster in, instead of like the little in, set. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I noticed it because he was carrying that charm around in his hand. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Charity's bedside with the charm because he is insisting she's coming too. Like she's going to, she's waking up. Like Eve, come in and look at her. Something's going on. Eve comes in and, he, and she's like, you know, I don't notice anything. And then he takes that charm and kind of puts it in Charity's hands. Mm-hmm. And that's why I noticed the thumb, the thumb ring. ring. Yeah. But what happens when the charm is in Charity's hand? She wakes up. That bitch wakes up. She woke up. Eyes open. She looks around. Eve is looking at her and saying, you know, there's somebody here who I'm sure you'll be happy to see. Mm-hmm. And then Miguel, like, looks at her and is like, hi, Charity. I knew you'd wake up. I brought this charm just for you. Blah, blah, blah. I remember giving it to me. And she's just like, uh, I'm sorry. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> amnesia. I knew it was going to be amnesia. Because now we're in a situation where Charity has magical power- powers, but she doesn't know it. Because yes, Faith told her about it, but Charity doesn't remember shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've got an amne- another amnesia storyline. Amnesia, the greatest like trope of soap operas. Oh, yeah. I feel like twins and amnesia. Like, yeah. That's, that, Twin, that twins and amnesia. Oh, and love triangles. And Hank and Frank. And Hank and Frank. <laughs> Frank and Beans. Okay, so she wakes up. And she doesn't remember shit. And that's all at the hospital. That's all we get at the hospital. So now we gotta go to the Crane Mansion. Woo! We gotta go to the Crane Mansion. I love this storyline. Because Frank has come to Ivy to accuse Teresa of being the stalker. Ivy is like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Let's put an end to it. She calls Ethan down to the living room to identify whether or not Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald is in fact his attacker. Mm-hmm. So, so in this episode, <laughs> we see Ethan answer the call. Right. And he's like, what? My stalker's here. What? That's crazy. <laughs> she what? moved to South America. Yeah. He's like, but Teresa and Whitney have already said that she's gone. And he, he's so daft. Anyway. Extre- Ethan is extremely daft. So he hangs up and he tells Gwen and he and Gwen are just shocked. You know, oh my god, the worst acting I've seen out of these two. Gwen is like in the lit because Ethan's like, My mom says the stalker's in the living room, and Gwen looks at him and goes, The living room, how could that be? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was so like, bad. What <laughs> it was, it was very like middle school play, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So Ethan's upstairs with Gwen getting ready to come down, getting ready to hobble down the stairs. Because remember, his ankle is sprained, and I just don't understand why everybody didn't just go the fuck upstairs. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, his ankle is sprained, so he's getting ready to come downstairs. And downstairs, Teresa continues to deny being the stalker Mm -hmm. vehemently, right? Yeah. She's like, this girl is frantic. This was so good. She's just like, I would never hurt anyone anyone at all i'm not the stalker blah 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 mm-hmm. and then frank asks her he says you know what oh, something's bothering me though why didn't you ever attack ethan in the home you've had plenty of chances well you've been here why didn't you ever attack him here and Teresa's like because i don't want to attack ethan and she goes i've never i never attacked him at all yeah <laughs> like i i i'm not a stalker i don't want to attack him anywhere i, I don't want to hurt him i have never attacked him right 
And so then Ivy sends Frank out into the foyer to wait on Ethan, but he goes upstairs. She yeah. sends him out to wait, but he goes upstairs. Whatever. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's just an interesting thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And then once Frank is gone, Teresa thanks Ivy for sticking up for her. She's like, thank you so much. Like, I, I, I swear to you, I never stalked him, basically. And Ivy says, I like you, Teresa. But if you turn out to be the stalker, I'm going to have to send you to jail and bring down the full force of the law on you and fire Pilar. And I love how they just slipped in. She's like, the state's harsh new stalking laws. (laughs) As if the state, probably Massachusetts, you know, has like these new laws against stalking. That that was a thing in the 90s. Teresa's going to be serving all this time. Well, I know that people finally started like, you know, taking yeah, stalking a, seriously. A lot of things. That was the thing in the 90s because uh, an actress was, like, murdered. Yeah. And so then different states started to enact harsher laws against stalking. So, yeah. I mean, and it was a new thing back then in 1999. Now it's like, yeah, you go to jail for stalking people. Yeah, <laughs> as you should. There should be specific laws against it. Yeah. So Ivy tells her this and tells her Pilar's... She will have no choice but to fire Pilar. And Teresa freaks the fuck out. I loved her speech, though. She freaks out. She, she talks about... Yeah, she begs Ivy, she you know, to leave her mother alone, basically. Like, her mom works her fingers to the bone for that family. And she is proud of the money that she's able to earn. And she goes home and she cleans their house and she buys their groceries and she takes care of their bills. And then she puts whatever tiny, tiny little amount she has left from her paycheck that Ivy pays her to put into a college fund for for Teresa and Miguel. Mm-hmm. And that is the only dream that Pilar has is for her children to succeed. And so why would Ivy take that dream away and take her daughter away? It's great. Yeah. Well, and she says... My mom's going to have to lose her dream because of me. And then Ivy's like, so you are, are you admitting you're the stalker? And Teresa's like, I'm not admitting shit. Yeah. She's like, I didn't, I'm not admitting anything. I'm just saying you would do that to my mother. Yeah. The person that you claim to be one of your closest friends and confidants. Yeah. And so then Ivy's like, look at it this way. If you're not the stalker, then Ethan will say so. Like, he'll either identify you as the stalker or not. And if you're not the stalker, you don't have anything to worry about. Mm. Which is reasonable. Reasonable thinking, honestly. Mm -hmm. So then Ivy leaves the room for whatever reason. I guess she goes up to help Ethan. I don't know. she, She just makes... It's just a convenient excuse for Teresa to be left alone. Yeah. I assume she goes out to talk to Frank. Because she asked him to wait in the foyer. Yeah. But yeah, so Teresa is in the living room worrying, and then everybody comes in, basically. Well, yeah, she's she's in the living room. She's decide, trying to decide if she should escape or not. Yeah. She's just like, <laughs> she grabs one door handle, is like, Ugh, as if she can't get out of the door. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Teresa. She thinks, contemplates escaping, but decides against it. Which is good. And then... If she ran away, it would look terrible. She would look so guilty. She, oh, yeah. So she, so then everybody comes in, mm-hmm. Gwen, Ethan, Frank, Ivy, mm-hmm. all in the living room. And <laughs> Frank goes, there's your stalker, Ethan. And Ethan looks back at him and goes, excuse me, <laughs> Teresa? And Frank's like, yeah, Teresa, just look closer at her. If you look closely, you'll see without that disguise. And then Ethan grabs her fucking glasses, pulls them off of her face grabs the wig, yanks it off of her head, her hair cascades down her back, and he's like, oh my God, it is her. Call in the police. And it was at this point that we were like, this is a daydream. (laughs) (laughs) This can't be real. This is all in Teresa's head. And Teresa's beautiful, beautiful head takes us to like a flash forward of her imagining what it would be like in prison. So it's like older Teresa in a gray wig carrying a picture of Ethan. And she's looking at it. She's like, oh, Ethan, she's in tears. If these 40 years I've been thinking about you. Yeah, she's like, it's 40 years today. I loved you so much. (laughs) She leans her head against the bars. Yeah. Because it's like... You know, like a like a fucking cartoon cell. It's a mess. <laughs> it's and amazing. so then, so then we come back into what 
the actual reality and Teresa is still in her disguise and no one has come into the room yet. Right. But then they do all come into the room just like in her vision. Mm-hmm. And then Frank does say it's Teresa. And, and Ethan does say, excuse me? Yep. Ethan does say, excuse me. And Ethan does say, like, come on, Frank. This is ridiculous. Like, yes. first you browbeat these girls. And now you bring dragging her down in here and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Ethan goes like, ha, ha, Frank. Good joke. Where's the stalker? And he's like, you're looking at her. And F- Ethan doesn't believe him. But then Frank pushes Teresa. Like, come on, Teresa. Take off your costume. Take off your disguise. Yeah. Show them everything. And she takes off her glasses and takes off her wig and her hair cascades down her back. And Ethan just stares at her and says nothing. He stays awfully quiet. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word. Yeah. And then Frank's like, come here, let me talk to you for a minute. And he he grabs Ethan and pulls him to the side. And he says to Ethan, he says, look, man, I can have the cops here in five minutes because I'm a P.I. <laughs> He's so stupid. The eye roll that I just gave. Yeah. I can have the cops here in five minutes. All you have to do is say the word. ID, ID her as your stalker. I just need one positive ID, and she's gone out of your life forever for good. And Ethan, again, is speechless, is not saying speechless, anything, yeah. saying nothing, because Ethan is extremely daft. <laughs> <laughs> I just, lo- I just loved this whole exchange because Frank is sitting there browbeating Teresa and being like take off your costume remember Ivy she used to look different when you first met her she she looked completely different and now she's pretending that she has to look professional but all and she's got to get her to take off her wig and her glasses and this stupid conservative clothing and all this other stuff and Ethan and Ivy are like why are you attacking and embarrassing her leave her alone and Lomax has a fucking picture in his pocket. Yeah. Take out the picture. Just show the picture. If he had just shown that picture. I think it would go differently. Because would he's made himself look so bad. He has made himself look very bad. And if he had shown the picture to Ethan upstairs, he probably would have just been like, oh my God, that's the girl. Yeah. And then there would have been no way out for Teresa. Yeah. But Lomax can't. He can solve a case, but he can't close it. Can't close the case. He can't close it. But Ethan loves Teresa. Yeah. That's where this... He does. I think we know where this is about to go. Yes, because Ethan loves Teresa. And I already... I just know where this is about to go. And I'm here for it. Yeah, we're getting into, like, the love stuff now. Yeah. The good stuff. Yeah. So, that's the entire episode. Yeah, we did it. That's it. And it was fantastic, this episode. This was was my favorite episode yet. Yeah. I think. Yeah, the pacing was great. Mm -hmm. Things happened. And it was... I also enjoyed it because the lead up to all of these events hasn't been that long. Except for the Teresa stuff. We've been doing that for a while. But they've been doing a lot of stuff with it. So Mm -hmm. it hasn't been as frustrating as the Grace and Faith stuff. Yeah, the Grace and Faith stuff was just one constant near miss after another. Yeah, and the Teresa and Ethan stuff is more entertaining much it really is and there's more players involved so Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit more entertaining the only thing that made the grace and faith stuff entertaining is tabitha and then that just got weird yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah and there's nothing better than gwen the cuck her fucking face her Her face when she's just like (laughs) it's so good She has quite the Gwendolyn face. She, yeah, she's no great. offense to any Gwendolyns out there, yeah. but but she is what I imagine a Gwendolyn looks like. Yeah, I can see that. She looks like a Gwen to she me. Looks like a Gwen. They they cast her perfectly. They did. All right, so we're gonna take a little break, but we'll be back after this short message. See you on the flip side. See you on the other side. <laughs> and. We're back. Back with another episode. That's right. This is episode 58. And it was really good, too. I really enjoyed this episode. It was. Not as much as the last episode, but it was, I mean, we got some stuff done. The last episode was, there were so many, like, shocking things that happened. Yeah. This episode was really good. We got some satisfactory things. And we had some, like, sentimental moments. Yeah. So let's jump on in. Where we begin with Naked Luis. Yes, Sheridan has walked in on Naked Luis fresh from the shower. Mm. 
And he knows he looks good because Sheridan's face is like, oh my gosh. And Luis looks at her, winks, and says, is there something you want? Yes. I mean, come on. Yes, I will take that. Yes, please. And Sheridan is apologizing profusely. She is so embarrassed, so ashamed. I didn't know this was the men's locker room. And he looks at her and he goes, well, now you know. Yeah. And she gets she gets it out of there. She turns yeah. she turns and closes the door and like is breathing very heavily. As I mean, I was panting. She's be- <laughs> to be honest. Like, she's beyond flustered. And yeah. Luis loves it. Yeah. He loves her reaction to his penis. Oh my god. So she <laughs> runs out, closes the door behind her, and is saying, I feel like such a fool. And Hank. <laughs> Just happens to be in the room. He's like, why do you feel like such a fool? You don't look like a fool to me. <laughs> and Sheridan is like, that's the men's locker room. Why is there no sign? <laughs> and that's when I looked at you and I said, Luis is anti-sign. Yeah. There was no sign for the wet paint, no sign on the locker room. I don't know. Are we meant to believe that there are no other women who work at the youth center, so there's no need to put signs? But I imagine, like, the showers, locker rooms, they would have women, a girl's locker room and a boy's locker room. You know, it's, it's a youth center. It's not, like, a boy's club. Yeah, but there should be, like, so signage. There should be signage. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying because you said, are we to believe there's no other women? But it's, like, there should be two different places anyway because there's definitely going to be girls. Yeah. I don't know. You know? Unless, like, the employees, because that does lead into that back room. Like, the employees have their own break room but then she specifically said it was a men's locker room i don't know no i told you this while we were watching this episode i said the the setup in this place makes no sense yeah the setup makes zero sense because first of all they said this room was a storeroom the Mm -hmm. room with the paint and everything was a storeroom but it seems to be an office like it seems to be more of an office so with that said why would there be a door from Either an office or a storeroom that goes directly into the men's locker room. It does, the setup. This setup make any is really sense. weird. It reminds me of like the back rooms when I worked in retail, right. where it was like there was one little tiny office that opened into the back room. Back room for product that also led into like where there was a bathroom. Yeah. For the people who worked in the stores, but that setup doesn't apply to a youth center. I no, because I, it's a recreation center yeah. with showers. Exactly. Like, it doesn't make any. It just a. It doesn't make. That's okay. They said, you know what? It's set up like this specifically so that Sheridan can walk in on Naked Louise. Which I'm fine with. I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. So she's left out of the bathroom. Hank is now consoling her, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And then Louise comes in fully dressed. He's put Mm -hmm. his clothes back on, gives her a little bit of a hard time. And Mm -hmm. then they argue, as they do. Yeah. I don't know what they argue about. I don't really care. As they are wont to do. So Sheridan basically asks for her next assignment. She's like, look, I'm tired of fighting. What do you want me to do next? I'm counting down the hours, the minutes, and the seconds till I am finished at this youth center. What is next? And he's like, oh, I got a really tricky one for you. Order lunch, if you can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so... And he Sheridan just, leaves? Yeah, he. she's like, do you want anything specific? And he's like, no, you can choose. Yeah, oh yeah. She's and like, so she's like, okay, and leaves to go get lunch. She leaves to go get lunch, and then Hank and Luis talk about different things. They talk about Sheridan. Hank tries to get him to lay off of Sheridan. Then they talk about baseball? And yeah. talk about the old days and how Luis was such a great baseball player. And they just talk about stupid shit. Well, I think it's important because Hank suggests to Luis that he could just take the money. You know, oh, like yeah. he could just cut Sheridan loose, just take the money that she offered for the youth center. He's like, you need the money. You need new equipment. You need this. You need that. Why don't you just take the money? And Luis has principles. And so he won't do it. And he would probably get in a shit ton of so trouble. much trouble. He would get in a lot of trouble. And yeah. and even if nobody did find out, Sheridan knows that he basically would have accepted a bribe, mm-hmm. and she could use that against him. Yeah, and he already and she wouldn't get in get to get in any trouble. And he already has no trust for the cranes, so he would never take a he would never do that because he, like I said, he has principles. But he also wouldn't take a risk like that when it comes yeah. to the cranes. Yeah. So, yeah, so he and Hank are goofing around, sorting through equipment, talking about the good old days, and Sheridan comes in with lunch. 
Sheridan comes back with lunch and she's ordered Chinese food. She says, I got Chinese food for lunch. And Luis immediately has a problem with this. He's like, Chinese food for lunch? <laughs> As if you can't have Chinese food for lunch. But then Sheridan starts like listing off all the things that she ordered. It and, is absurd. And I can't remember all the things. It's like platypus bills that are sautéed in cricket sauce. I, I just remember one was <laughs> yeah, one was like broccoli and snail sauce. Like yeah. yeah, it was a bunch of different things like that. Just absurd. Yeah, and there was one that was like cat caterpillars or something like that. Yeah. Eel, eel was one of them, which yeah. isn't that odd, but I mean, for lunch, it is, I guess. If you don't have a palate for that, then it's extra weird. <laughs> yeah, so Luis is like, what the fuck is this? What is this? And Sheridan is elated. Yeah. That she's, like, gotten under his skin. Really. She's, like, giggling and smiling. and Because mm-hmm. he, he's like, what? you couldn't even get good food, regular food? And she's like, calm down. I'm completely joking. Here's your beef and broccoli. Yeah. I got simple food because I'm I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding, bruh. So then Hank starts to say, oh, yeah, this food reminds me of when I was in Hong Kong. And she, she says, oh, you were in Hong Kong? Oh, wow, I was there too, blah, blah, blah. So then they talk about Hong Kong for a while. They bond over their travels. Yeah. Hank is like, oh, there's this one place that was beautiful. It was like this brick pathway that led to a stone garden. And Sheridan's like, oh, my gosh, off of this one road in this one town and blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you've been there. And Hank's like, oh, my God, it was so beautiful. I remember it so clearly in my mind's eye. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah, I didn't love it. And then he talks about, like, his travels. And she, like, compliments him on his charms and says... Basically how impressive it is that he's been able to move up in the world based solely on his charm. And I was like, girl, that's called a con artist. Yes. That's called a con man. That's not okay. Yes. And then she says, she's like, you were probably quite the heartthrob back in high school. And then he's like, yeah, I, I mean, I did all right with the ladies, but there was another guy, this other guy. He he had the main title of the heartthrob at our school. Yeah. He was the captain of the baseball team, the captain of the football team, and the basketball team. He was class president and valedictorian. And she goes, wow, where'd he end up? Harvard? Yale? And Hank is like, no, nah, he stayed here in Harmony and became a police officer. And Sheridan goes... What a waste. And immediately realizes that Hank is talking about Louise. Who is sitting in front of her. I mean, she really put her foot in her she mouth. She really put her foot in her mouth. She also felt terrible. She felt bad about it, but she also shouldn't have said it. No, she shouldn't have said it. Even if she didn't know it was Louise, even if she didn't know who it was, what a shitty thing to say. Yeah. I, I do think that's what she figured out. Like, she said it, and I'm hoping that she's like, oh my God, this hurt this person. It's a terrible thing to say. And it, she's just finally being confronted with her own with snobbery? Her, with, yes, with her own snobbery. And mm. is having to face it down in a way that she's never had to. Because Sheridan's been on the run. You know what I mean? And she's only been in the most exclusive places. And she's never had to think beyond herself. Yeah. In this way. The common people. The yeah. common folk. And Luis looks up at her after this insult. And he says, I'm proud of the decisions that I've made to take care of my family. He looks hurt. I... I, to be honest, I teared up. This moment was really, it was one, an important moment, but it also was very well done. Yeah. Like, I got emotional. I felt bad for Louise. Yeah. I really did because we know all the shit that he has had to sacrifice and why he had to sacrifice all of that. Sheridan doesn't know that about him. She doesn't know about his dad. Well, she might know about his dad knowing Pilar. So she might know. Maybe. She probably knows. I don't know. But she doesn't know the ins and outs of their home life yeah so i did i felt very bad for him and i cried a little bit i got a little teary-eyed it was well done they uh they did a good job it was well written it was well acted you know there was nuance there it was it was it was a good moment for sure this yeah i think it was a really important scene and an important moment in the relationship for these two characters yeah and he then kind of dismisses himself he's like look i gotta go pump up some basketballs for the for the game tonight you guys can enjoy your caterpillar sauce or whatever, you know. And he he kind of dismisses himself. And Sheridan feels like a jackass. Because she is. And she should. And then she hears a ringing and she's like, oh, I guess I, I that's the fax machine. I better go answer it. 
So she disappears and then immediately storms back in. And Luis is there oh, yeah. pumping up those basketballs. Hank has come over to him. And she has a piece of paper in her hand, you know, presumably the facts that she just received. And she's like, you're checking up on me? Crumples it up, throws it on the ground. Yeah, he had done a background check on her. Yep. Although, why did he... Well, I guess probably the Pete had it faxed over to him. Yeah. Because like, to there, because I was like, why wouldn't he have just done that at work? Yeah. I don't know. That just seems odd to me. That's a good point. But okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that is, that's a good point. I didn't yeah. think about that. Because presumably, somebody at the police department did that. Of course, yeah. It's he, not like he ordered one from the internet. Yeah, no, you he, know. Called, he called it in a favor and yeah. had it sent over. So, presume, uh, again, he probably could have just done that at the police department himself. Mm-hmm. But maybe he just didn't have the time and he just called it in a favor because he is busy. Yeah, I mean, he's been working like 24-7. Yeah. So. But the... I think what's important to note is that her background is squeaky clean. She's got nothing. Yeah, of course. No rap sheet. Of course she has nothing. There's nothing in her background. Yeah. Of course. You think the Cranes would let anything be a public record of anything they've ever done, really? Nah, of course not. No. So we think maybe we're building a bridge between Sheridan and Luis, but then this happens, so I... We'll see. Well, yeah, we always build a bridge a little bit and then burn it a little. Yeah, one brick, we singe it. One beam at a time. Yeah. One brick at a time. Yeah. So we shall see. Now, that's everything that happens at the youth center. Let's mm-hmm. head over to the hospital. Let's go. Crane Memorial Hospital. Lord Jesus. Over <laughs> at this damn hospital, Kay is <laughs> just saying, she's like, I can't think of anything right now to get McGill. Like, I'm trying to, she's trying her damnedest to think up different ways that she can get rid of charity and make Miguel hers. And Simone is like, great, so you're done scheming, right? She's like, nope, I just can't think of anything right now, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Oh, Lord. So she has all of these different, like, brainstorms, and we get to see inside of her dark, dark, dank mind. It is atrocious. Yeah, one, the first one she comes up with is like, oh, what if Charity goes into a convent? She should become a nun. I'll convince her to become a nun. <laughs> and in this dream of hers, she's making out with Miguel with Charity in a nun outfit, standing there watching them. Yeah, and they're at the convent. Yeah. She's, there, she's making out with Miguel in front of an altar. Yes. Like, it just... <laughs> It's absurd. It's so weird. And also, I just have to point out that the music was basically Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, but it was really slow. You said that I didn't, I wasn't listening, yeah, so it was you like, said at the end and I didn't hear it. It was do, 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 And it would go up at the end instead of do, 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 but it was really, really slow. Yeah. So, like, it wasn't super noticeable, but they... The scene went on so long. I heard it so many times. I was like, this is Twinkle Twinkle, where they've altered one note. <laughs> so it's even her mind, this. even in her mind, the music in her mind is also, like, unoriginal. Ha. Huh. I don't know. This, uh, this is pretty original. Mm. Sending Charity to a convent, then making out in front of her and at the fucking altar. I don't know. Get thee to a nunnery. I, I mean, so she is having this dream or <laughs> daydream, I guess. Fantasy. And then in the fantasy, but it, but in her fantasy, it goes wrong. Well, the next charity, one. No, well, Charity. Oh, this one does go yeah, wrong, too. Yeah, they both go wrong. Charity <laughs> has a giant ruler in her hand. I forgot about a that. A giant ruler, and she comes over and basically, like, gives Kay a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> With this comical, oversized ruler. Huge ruler. <laughs> it was, like, as big as her body. Yeah. It was so big. So then Kay snaps out of that, and she's like, nope, that won't work. It's like we can. I can sell her to a sweatshop. Oh my god! She goes. I can sell her to a sweatshop. So then she has human trafficking. Yeah. Oh, she has a. It is oof. She has this little trafficking fantasy of her with these two like guys in like tracksuits and. They look like they look like they look like mobster. I was gonna say they look like the Italian. Mafia that you would see in like tracksuits with like a gold chain. Yeah, or I guess yeah, like the ru- the way that people think of like the Russian, Russian mob down in like Brighton Beach. Yeah, <laughs> they, that's what they look like. The dudes down in Brighton Beach. So she is like, you got the money, and they give her a suitcase of money, and Charity's like, no, Kay, please, please don't do this. Don't sell me into slavery. Please don't do this. And Kay pulls away. She's like, 
quiet trash, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And then this fantasy goes wrong because the gangsters, like the thugs, grab her and put her in chains. It's like, we're we're getting two for the price of one, which is free because you're never going to get out of here. Like her own fantasy goes wrong. And my favorite part is it shows her and Charity sewing away in the sweatshop, you know, sitting there at their sewing machines. And Kay is like, I keep pricking myself with my needle, and I'm not very good at this, and blah, blah, blah. And the two dudes come up to her, and he's, and one of them's like, why can't you be more like Charity? She's the best worker we've ever had. <laughs> and Charity's <laughs> in the background just smiling. Just smiling. Sewing away. Running that fabric through the sewing machine. Oh, <laughs> threading that bobbin, no problem. It was so <laughs> terrible. So while all of this is going on in Kay's head over here, Miguel is in the hospital room with Charity, who has woke up. She's awake. She's awake. But she does not recognize him. Mm -mm. Doesn't recognize him at all. No. And Miguel can't accept that she doesn't recognize him and says to Eve... Maybe the smoke, maybe her the smoke messed up her eyes. Can you check her eyes? Because why doesn't she recognize me? It's like, but she doesn't know who you are. Like you said your name. Yeah. It's not that she she it's not that she can't see you. Yeah. She doesn't know a person named Miguel. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Eve, I believe, knows this, mm-hmm. but she wants to humor him and needs to do a thorough examination anyway. So she does a vision test and, you know, of course, Charity still does not recognize Miguel. Nope. And, you know, Eve is definitely concerned and has also, she's asked Grace not to be in the room because it's her, it's Charity's mother's twin sister. And if Charity does have some memories, she doesn't want to confuse her or upset her. So Eve is trying to take precautions and move slowly and do things at a, a, at the correct pace but Miguel keeps pushing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to believe that Charity can't remember anything. She has amnesia. Yeah, so she's awake. Eve is keeping Grace outside. And Grace is talking to Sam about Charity's memory and how she, she's worried that she can't remember Miguel. And I don't know. What else? Do they talk about anything else? Well, Wait, they do know. because it, Grace is talking to Sam because she's worried. Because she was she was rescued from a fire and lost all of her memories that happened oh, right. before the fire. And so she's really terrified that the same thing is now going to happen to her niece. Um, what, an abs- what an absurd plot point. I love People it. People in fires lose their memories. I fucking love it. That's just, that's all it takes. Well, I assume it's like, these are magical fires. There are more things at play than just like, you know. Mm. And, and I don't want to downplay. I mean, maybe. They didn't show us any of that. I know, but I don't want to downplay like the trauma of being in a house fire. But I also am making the assumption, I've, I'm rewriting things in my head to make it make sense for me, that there has to be something else there. They t- can't possibly just have amnesia because they're in a fire. They you can. Know? It's especially, a soap opera. Especially in a show where we are, like, the backdrop is that of magic. Like, there has to be magical explanations for things. There must N- be. Nope. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, no, that's you not how it works. You can tell me that, but I'm not going to believe it. That's how it. it works. Like, literally any other soap opera. I mean, that's just a main soap opera trope. Like, there's no magic. It's just you have experienced some sort of trauma and now you have amnesia. Yeah, but if we also get to add magic to it, why can't I want that to be part of the I'm explanation? I'm not saying you can't want it to be part of the explanation. I'm just saying it isn't part of the explanation in this. For you it's not. Uh, because For me if, it is. Because if it was, they would have like told us about it. Yeah, maybe Because Tabitha would've. didn't have any power, right? And the demons weren't really helping her anymore. Eh. eh. I don't know. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I do know. So, Kay is elated by this news. So they're all out in the hallway at this point, and Miguel is speaking with Eve in front of the family, and he's like, you know, Dr. Russell is, Charity's memory loss, certainly it's just temporary, like it won't be a permanent problem, and Eve doesn't really assure him either way. She just kind of listens and nods, Mm -hmm. and so Kay takes this to mean Dr. Russell does not think that this is temporary. She thinks that this is permanent, and Kay fucking celebrates. Yeah, she's excited. She gets quite the gleam in her eye. Mm-hmm. Kay's evil. She's horrible. She's very horrible. And she's like, now I've got a chance at Miguel. Yeah. That's basically how she feels. I mean, we know how this is going to go. Kay is going to try to, I'm doing this in air quotes, rebuild Charity's memory where, oh, we're cousins and you're my friend and you really want me and Miguel to be together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she's 
Yep. Oh. She's going to tell her how much she loves Miguel and all yep. of this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So that's like everything at the hospital. Yes? Yeah, that's the hospital. Let's move on to my favorite place right now, the Crane Mansion. All right. The Let's Crane Mansion. So... Ethan is still speechless, standing in front of Teresa. I'm just a guy standing in front of a girl. Who stalked me. Standing in front of my mother. Like, he's just, he's standing there speechless. And Ivy finally asks Ethan, he says, she says, can you tell us if Teresa is your stalker? And remember, Teresa has taken off all of her disguise she looks like herself. Mm-hmm. And Ethan says, yes, I can tell you if Teresa's my stalker. And then Pilar walks and in. And then Pilar walks yes. in. Yes. And Lomax tries to interrogate Teresa's mother in front of the family. Yeah. He's so inappropriate in every imaginable way. Yeah, Pilar is completely caught off guard by all of this. And Frank says... I have to question you, Pilar. I have some questions to ask. And But Ivy puts her foot down. She's like, Good. absolutely not. She's like, I trust Pilar. And you can't, You don't get to harass my staff, right? Yes. And Good for Ivy. They fill her in on what's going on. And Pilar says, Teresa never hurt Ethan. And Frank says, oh, so you're admitting your daughter is the stalker? And Pilar's like, no, I'm saying that Teresa would never hurt Ethan. And Lomax is like, ah, you're just protecting your daughter. Daughters are always hiding things from their mothers. Mm -hmm. And Ivy says, you know what? Case closed. I trust Pilar implicitly. And this is over. We're done with this. Yeah. And Frank keeps pushing. He he, looks so desperate. He's awful. He looks so desperate. He's going from one person to the next person, pushing and pushing and pushing. And trying to put words in their mouth and then trying to make it, explain it in one way. And then when they reject that, he tries to explain it in a different way that's in direct conflict with the thing that he just said. You know, like he's, he looks like such an ass. Yeah. He, he's so obnoxious. Obnoxious is the word. Like he is utterly obnoxious. His face is obnoxious. His speech is obnoxious. He is obnoxious. Yeah. So... He keeps pushing, right? And he says, you know, there's lots of things. Daughters don't tell their mothers. And then Ivy says, you're really beginning to annoy me, Mr. Lomax. <laughs> I love that line. That's, I love it. That might be the title of the episode. That's what I was going to say. You're really, you're really beginning to annoy me, Mr. Lomax. Yeah, because that's how I fucking feel about yeah. him. You are annoying. I'm ready for him to be gone. So then Ethan gives this whole speech about how he wants to protect his family and how he wants more nothing more than to stop the stalker from hurting him or his family ever again. And then he looks Teresa dead in her fucking eyes and says, she's not my stalker. She is not the stalker. Woo! I said, oh, yes! And I love this because before he makes the announcement, He's, like, looking at the family, looking at Teresa. Everyone's on pins and needles waiting for his answer. And Gwen feels threatened by Teresa. We know mm, that as she, she should. And she looks at Ethan and she says, you know, I really admire you wanting to look after your family and protect them from anything like this ever happening to them. So even if it is Teresa, I really uh, am proud of you for facing it down and telling the truth. Like, she really is trying to, like kindly get him him there you know because she wants Teresa out she wants Teresa out but she I think she also thinks Teresa is dangerous yeah like I think if like if you really think about it from Gwen's perspective all she knows about this girl as far as Lomax is telling it is that she is definitely the stalker Mm -hmm. and on top of that earlier she was like laying on top of my boyfriend and on top of that he keeps talking about her fucking eyes yeah like she he, she should, she absolutely should be threatened by Teresa. He was muttering her name in his sleep in the song. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, Gwen definitely wants it to be Teresa. Because Ethan and Ivy and the family has been pushing back and saying, no, it's not her, it's not her, it's not her. And Gwen desperately wants it to be her. She needs it to be her. her she face, needs it to be her. Her face when Ethan is like, nah, not the right girl. Drop. Face drop. <laughs> face drop. Face drop. She is not the stalker, he Mm-mm. says. And Frank is completely and utterly surprised, shocked, shooketh. He keeps pressing. 
Ethan, I drew the sketch. You told me, oh my lord, this was my favorite part, where he was yeah. like, you described it to me, and then I drew a perfect sketch of her, <laughs> and she looks just like my sketch. No, she does not. We've all seen the sketch now. Well, Ethan was like, she does look like the sketch, but it's not the right girl. Yeah, and she doesn't look like the sketch. No. She doesn't. Mm-mm. She simply does not. No. Oh, Lord. Oh, so he keeps pressing, but Ivy finally really just shuts him all the way down and says, case closed, get the fuck out of my house, basically. She she kicks him to the curb. It's great. And then she and Gwen leave for a meeting at the Crane Foundation because Mm -hmm. Ivy is thrilled and overjoyed at the result here that this is not the stalker. Mm -hmm. And Gwen is not so thrilled and overjoyed, but she has to leave. She does have to leave with ivy so they mm-hmm. run off to do you know socialite shit mm-hmm. lomax pulls ethan aside again and is like look i did my job if you come to your senses let me know and then he finally departs and i hope we never, never see him have again. to see his stupid fucking face again i think we're probably gonna have one more scene with him and whitney probably yeah i dread it I hate him. Because literally, there's no re- there's no other reason for him to stay in town at mm. this point. Because yeah. Ethan has said, this girl's not the stalker. Yeah. So, like, he has no other avenues, I wouldn't think. Outside of getting Whitney to confess. Sure. But Whitney's not going to turn on Teresa. No. No. So, I'm, I'm just thrilled. I will, again, say... That this case could have easily been solved by just going to, like, the Burger Hut or the cannery and figuring out who was the employee that did this. Sure, yeah. Literally, what's their name? Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald. Yeah. Oh, okay. Frank's not very good at his job. Well, if he did it that way, he wouldn't have been able to stalk high school girls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he did, it, he did it in a way that was very self-serving. Yeah. You know, like he did not go about this in an, in an intelligent manner. Yeah. And there, I think there's, and that's the reason for it, in my opinion. So he pulls Ethan aside and finally, and questions him a little bit, but then finally just leaves. Yeah, he finally fucks off. And then what happens? So then Pilar thanks Ethan and she is asked to leave, basically, because Ethan's like, no problem, Pilar, but may I speak with Teresa alone? Mm-hmm. So the two of them now f- finally have a moment together alone face to face stalker to stalky <laughs> and Teresa launches into an apology I'm so sorry everything was an accident I never meant to hurt you it just I know it looks terrible I apologize from the bottom of my heart I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be at the house but you'll be happy to know that I've quit today you will never see me again and Ethan gets this look like yeah. he's sick like he's going green like no you can't leave yeah. Ooh, because he loves her. Yeah, so we don't get to see Which his is re- not okay because she's a child. But we don't see his response yet. Not yet. Well, she she starts to go. She's yeah. rushed out. She's saying, you know, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. I'll, you'll never have to deal with me again. She starts to leave. He grabs her arm. Mm-hmm. And this is a real, like... So I watch a lot of Korean dramas. I don't know if there's any other K-drama fans out there. But I'm a huge fan of K-dramas. And... He did a move that they do in K-dramas a lot, which is as she's leaving, he grabs her arm and, like, pulls her back around yeah. to him. And, 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 like, as a liberated woman, I can't get behind it. But as a, a girl who loves fairy tales and, like, fiction and shit, I can, really, I can really get behind it. I can't tell you the number of times I've had that uh, blocking on stage. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm walking by, the dude grabs my arm, whirls me around, you know. Or, yeah, I mean, it's, it is very effective. It looks really good on film, on stage, you know. He grabs her and pulls her back and goes, you're not getting away that easy, Teresa. And that's the end. That's it. So it's we so shall good. see. We shall see. I'm, I, I'm so glad Teresa's out of that stupid costume so we can see how beautiful she is all the time. <laughs> and so that Ethan can fall in love with her, even though she's a child. I know she's a child, and we I, I seem to have a double standard for Ethan and Teresa than I did for Frank and Chad because not Chad, Frank and Frank and Chad. <laughs> Frank and Whitney. But it's it because it's going the opposite way. Because it's a teenage girl with a crush on a celebrity. And you know what I mean? And for for Teresa and Ethan. Yeah. He hasn't acknowledged his feelings. He's not pursuing her. It's completely the reverse with Frank, where it's an adult preying upon a child. Yeah. Okay. So that's it for today, everybody. 
Yeah. That's the whole episode. We that's, did it. That's the whole thing. We did it again for the 33rd time. Is this episode 33? We Jesus. done did do it again. Jeez Louise. All right. So remember, you can follow us at all our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Passions Podcast. And you can also send us an email of your Passions origin story or anything you, yeah, I mean, just if you want to shoot the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to shoot the shit, email us. Send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already done it, please rate, review, and subscribe. And that's it. That's all it is. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening. Yeah. <laughs> we'll catch you on the next one. Here we go. You are my passion for life.